So I'm delighted to be here with Viv Grant, who is speaking for us today. I think it was 17 years ago, Viv became one of the youngest primary head teachers in the country, which was the start of a journey that brought her to her role today as a leadership coach, trainer, consultant, and author, and other things too, I'm sure. So now, very happy to hand over to Viv. All right, that's lovely. Thank you, Liz. So to begin with today, with regards to the presentation, we're going to begin by just giving an overview of what by giving an overview of what the webinar is going to be about today. So the first thing we're going to look at are strategies in achieving work-life balance. How to recognize the importance of looking after your own well-being as well as that of your team because you'll know as a school leader just how important that is. And really importantly, how to lead without sacrificing yourself. You'll know as school leaders and I know from my own personal experience that that's one of the hardest lessons, how to really give the best to my school, but making sure I looked after myself in the process. And the importance of the relationship with the governing body in offering support. And really importantly, how to minimize stress and maximize your own efficiency. So the question we really need to ask ourselves is, why do school leaders need to find ways to achieve a greater work-life balance. And as you're sitting there now, I'd really invite you just to think about that for yourself. Why is it so important that you, as a school leader, find a way that really enables you to achieve what's best for you, both personally and professionally? So just take a few moments just to think through that question. Well, we know that data tells us that 80% of people working in education have suffered from stress. We also know that just 8% when they were surveyed by a recent poll, so that they had, so only 8% of schools said that they have a well-being policy that is implemented. 89% from this survey, which was conducted by the Education Support Partnership, said that the said that workload was a main cause of their mental health issues. And I think that's something we really need to explore and try to work out to understand. And, it, and also, just as depressingly, 13% left their job as a result. And you'll know, just from working at the chalk face, just how difficult recruitment and retention has become for you. No matter what you're told from the outside, I know from my day-to-day -day working with school leaders, and I know that you will know from your own experience that recruitment and retention is becoming increasingly difficult for you as school leaders. So we need to really get a grip of this and understand why we have to attend to your well-being. If you just have a look at this little image here from, from the book Staying Ahead, and just look at the image on the left and the image on the right, and which one would you say you're more aligned to in terms of where you are now as a school leader? I know that for many school leaders, they feel more aligned to the image on the left. That whole sense of actually 
having a lack of clarity, not being as aware as they would like to be, and to varying degrees experiencing levels of confusion, frustration, overwhelm, and so forth. And why we need to attend to your well-being is because we want you to be leading from that place on the right-hand side, that right-hand image where you are in charge of your ship, you know which direction it's sailing in, and you know the quality of your leadership and the feelings that you need to have to enable you to steer both yourself and your school in the right direction. And one of the reasons why we need to understand this and we need to really help school leaders get in touch with what well-being means is because for too long we've become too attached, I would say, to this image of the superhead. And I know this, I'm just as guilty <laughs> as the next person, that when you're a head teacher, you put on that cloak in the morning and really we know why it's there because to protect yourself from you know the numerous complaints and so forth that will come your way during any given day. But the reality is you're human. You're not a superhead. You are a human doing a humanitarian role. And that requires that you stay in tune to yourself. And it's this lack that we see so much in the profession of individuals not being able to take off this superhead armor, this superhead cloak. So people become detached from their feelings and actually leadership becomes more operational than it does a heart-centered endeavor. So one of the things we need to recognize when we talk about well-being, it's about putting your humanity first and recognizing that you have feelings just the same as everyone else. So, when starting with this, where, where do we need to begin? And I would argue that we need to begin with looking at your emotional needs. Because that's what distinguishes us from everything, everything else. That as human beings, and if you're familiar with the work of, a, of Daniel Goleman, you'll be very much aware of how he talks about the best leaders are emotionally literate. And to become emotionally literate, we need to recognize that we have basic emotional needs. We all need to feel accepted. We all need to feel listened to. We all need to feel valued. We all need to, support, to feel supported. Just look at the children in your school. You'll know the ones who have a healthy inner emotional life because they'll be experiencing these things. And equally, you'll know the individuals for whom this isn't true. Yet the irony of it is that we put you, put you as school leaders in our schools and we forget that just like the children in your schools need to have systems in place that meet their emotional needs so that healthy behavior can follow, the same needs to happen for you as well. So, what is the problem? Well, I've already alluded to the fact that it has something to do with the way in which individuals embody the role of school leadership. But I'd also say it's to do with the fact that the world in which we live in is emotionally complex. Schools are emotionally complex. And you, myself, all of us as individuals, are emotionally complex. 
and your role demands that you display all the expertise and knowledge of a trained and experienced psychologist to deal with the complexities of human behavior, both yours and others. But the thing is, most of the time, you're not given the support to do this. People forget or seem to ignore the fact that running a school goes beyond the strategic and the operational. How you facilitate change in your, in your schools is through the human interaction. And that human interaction is dependent upon the quality of emotional attachments that exist between individuals in our schools. And so what happens is, because we're not trained, or you're not trained, to fully understand the complexity of this, we adopt coping mechanisms because sometimes it's just too much to really address the impact and the emotional drain that school leadership has upon us. And this is a quote from a head that I worked with a number of years ago. And again, in the work that I do, I recognize this and I see this so, so often. She said, for years I have been doing what I do, not looking after myself emotionally, mentally and spiritually. I had learned to ignore things that had had a negative impact on me. And that's what we do. That's what you do. We've got to get on. The job's got to be done. And so we carry on ignoring those things that are true signals of our humanity and what we are about. And very often, it will lead to individuals getting caught in something called the sacrifice syndrome. I've, I've mentioned the work of Daniel Goleman. If you're familiar with also other professors in, in the field, you will also know the work of Annie McKee and Richard Boyatzis and their work around resonant leadership. And this is a model adapted from their book that I've used in Staying Ahead, which talks about the sacrifice syndrome and what happens when leaders who work in high power, high stress roles develop practices and ways of being to meet the demands of their role, but without paying due attention to what is happening to them. So again, just take a few moments to look at this image. Does it resonate in any way for having to be reactive and respond endlessly to emergency crisis and threat, but without having any support or very minimal resources to actually help you break out of that way of being. And do any of these symptoms resonate with you? I know for myself as a head teacher, when I was a head, self-doubt, I actually thought it was normal. <laughs> I didn't even realize, didn't realize that actually it was, had a lot to do with me being constantly tired and not having the time to reflect properly on what I was doing. There were times when I'd carry a headache for weeks on end and think it was normal. I was just busy. And there was nothing at that time when I had no space either, really, to allow me just to stop and reflect and actually ask myself, is this normal? Is this the way, is this enabling me to be my best self or my school to be at its best as well? And again, just ask yourself, do any of these symptoms resonate with you in terms of the pressures that we put upon ourselves or you put upon yourself as a school leader?
So what we need to recognize, if we're not going to get caught up in the sacrifice syndrome, that you're a whole human being. And leading without sacrificing yourself means paying attention to every single aspect of what makes you human. Spiritual does not necessarily mean having a religion, but it does mean being connected to your values and your purpose and knowing what's important to you and, being, and having practices that enable you to realign yourself with that. Emotional, physical and mental I think are pretty straightforward but we need to pay attention to all of these aspects. And why is it important to do so? Because when we do this, we deepen your self-understanding. You get a better understanding of what motivates you, what, un what is underpinning your values. I'm just coming from working with a head teacher today. You had a real insight into her beliefs and how they were impacting in terms of how she was embodying and holding the head teacher role. We need to develop your emotional resources. Why, and again you know this, how often are you emotionally overdrawn at the end of a week, at the end of a day, at the end of a half term? Because you're giving, giving, giving to others. And equally we need to sustain your sense of vocation and purpose. If I look at the education landscape now, this is one of the things that saddens me the most when I speak to heads who say they've become very distant from this and they've become more operational and functional and the joy and the love that they once knew for the profession is missing and we really need to help you reconnect back to that and really importantly why we need to attend to you as the whole is because we need to bring congruency to your original ideas why you first stepped into this role and the current realities, which are all too real, and you know what they are. But somehow, we need to help you find ways to balance the external pressures and demands and your original ideals without compromising what you believe in and what you stand for. So how do you do this? By Axis and McKee, the authors of Resonant Leadership, would argue that you become proactive, you develop a renewal cycle that helps you to step out of the sacrifice syndrome. And again, just take a few moments to look at this image and you'll see that we now have on the left hand side a way of being where the individual is actively seeking support and that support is aligned with empathy and empathy being that place where you can be with another, where they're not smothering you, it's not sympathy, they're not over identifying with you, they're not saying they're there, it will be all right. What they are doing is allowing a space for you to tell your story of leadership, of life as a school leader as you see and feel and experience it. And what their role is, is to come alongside you and to question you and use strategies that will help you reflect on your practice, reconnect with what matters most and then re-enter in to your role. But you'll see now that some of the labels are slightly different on the right hand side. No longer does it talk about a sacrifice syndrome 
And if you look at that arrow pointing to emergency, crisis and threat, whereas before that arrow was just about reacting to other people's needs or those emergencies, crisis and threat, that will never go away and you know that as a school leader. This time it's about prioritising your needs and because, oh sorry, prioritising your response to other people's needs. And because you're allowing yourself the time and space to do that, you're more proactive, you're not reactive. You're creating a foundation for your leadership to become sustainable. And you'll see it is a cycle. You dip in and out of this way of being, but you're no longer neglecting yourself in the process. So why is it important to do this? Again, Boyatzis and McKee, they say, Sustainable, effective leadership occurs only when the experiences of the sacrifice and stress of leadership are interchanged with those of renewal. And we can't do it without that. If you've read Staying Ahead, you'll know what happened to me. And I know that you will have colleagues, and maybe even yourself, who at the moment you don't have any process that's to do with renewal. And you know what the impact of that is. And in relation to this, we do need to consider the role of the governing body in this. Because they are there to support you and they do need to fully understand the requirements of your role. They need to develop an accurate understanding of what your support needs are. Again, I think too many governors don't fully understand this. I'm often amazed at how many schools do not see the correlation between school sickness and absence and absence data and ask questions that really dig behind that. We have evidence of schools who've had really high school sickness and absence, but when they started to invest in the well-being of the staff, the well-being of the school leaders, sickness and absence would reduce dramatically. And we hear a lot about schools developing a well-being policy. I'm all for that, but what I also think governors need to recognise, it's more than just a paper exercise. And practices need to be put in place that will enable schools to sustain whatever they think will support well-being and also to ensure that they're not short-term quick fixes, because that doesn't really help anyone. Again, something that I feel very strongly about and it's a key message in the work that I do that when you step into the school leadership role it is a journey of personal and professional growth and if you really really want your school to grow you have to invest in growing yourself as a whole individual and I think it's important that governors understand this Governors also need to understand their duty of care, and it's very much repeating this next bullet point, what I've already said. It's as much about caring for the person in the role as it is with securing high standards. And again, not that I'm an advocate of a <laughs> business practice in education, but one thing I would advocate is looking at good examples outside of education, where CEOs who face similar stress levels to heads are provided with different types of support, more commonly coaching, to help them deal effectively with stress and maintain high levels of performance. So I'm going to just quickly go over five ideas to minimise stress 
and maximize some of them might resonate with you others might not but just have a look so very quickly I'm going to look at developer reflective practice build supportive connections and networks capture the golden moments get a coach and put yourself first why developer reflective practice because essentially and we all know this to be true that life can only be understood backwards but it must be lived forwards and very simple things that you can do is making time to reflect at the end of each week not on what's gone wrong I know our brains tend to go that way but what's gone right and what can you learn equally build supportive connections and networks and I really would encourage you to think about the different quality and types of these really important particularly when you're in the head teacher role you need actually to be in relationships where sometimes you're not the one who's giving you're not the one who has all the answers and you have people there who actually can care for you capture the golden moment moments for me this was one of my survival mechanisms when I was ahead I would go and listen to my school choir on a Tuesday afternoon and if I'd had the hardest most terrible of days just hearing my year six choir and seeing those most challenging of boys singing in the school hall it just brought a new energy to me and I could say to myself yep okay Viv I know why I'm here and I know why I'm doing this and you all have your own golden moments but really make it a practice to capture those I could not say this but I have to um, you know get a coach or if not a coach some sort of support that is yours and yours alone a private space that allows you just to drop that leadership mask and to get back to who you truly are and finally put yourself first again I would say recognize that putting yourself first is never ever a selfish act I know so many school leaders struggle with this and the challenge that I would put to you here is if you don't put yourself first if you don't put your needs first what is the consequence of that very often the consequence is that you're really le leading your school not from the best position emotionally mentally physically spiritually and we know from all the research out there that if you are able to put yourself first and building practices that support you being your best self then as this diagram illustrates here you have a different attitude to the challenges that come along you're really able to develop and lay down the skills that are necessary you're able to really align yourself to your vocation your, and your calling and when it says to know the moment you are so aligned with all that matters to you that actually you stand with greater authenticity and truth as a senior school leader so putting yourself first is never ever a selfish act and so I've come to the end now and I'm just going to hand over to Liz thank you Viv that was wonderful there are so lots of great nuggets of wisdom and ideas and great advice to follow now we've got a, a bit of time to take some questions so if you haven't been able to write your question already please take a moment to share that 
using that box in the right hand panel that would be fantastic now we have we've had one question already from David um, which I think in some ways you'll have given shared some tips already but he's asked what tips could you offer for a head teacher who's feeling burnout and struggling for motivation and inspiration after a long academic year because I guess yeah we are at that yeah. point of the year yeah. aren't we, where people yeah. are just oh, yeah let me get through to the end so any further tips you'd give I would say stop give yourself permission just to stop and I'd say look back on the year and celebrate I was with a head this morning who was just in that position <laughs> And it was really a case of saying, okay, so this is where you are in the school year now. This is how you're feeling, acknowledging it. But then, okay, what's been achieved this year? What is it? You know, what are the challenges? There have been, there were numerous challenges, but you've got over them. What's that told you about yourself and who you are as a leader? And if you can focus on the good, it does just create a different thought processes for ourselves and our energy levels change and we begin to think in a more solution focused way so I would say you know acknowledge what you've done well make time to celebrate booking some time to rest and really really rest over the summer holidays they're the main tips I would give fantastic thank you Viv and Jane has asked any advice for someone about to enter into a leadership role? Yes, yes. I have lots of advice here, Jane. <laughs> I think the advice I would give is be prepared. It's going to be a growth. It's going to be about growth. And you need to recognize that where you are now is going to be very different from the role that you're stepping into. And the question I often ask individuals is before they step into the role, ask yourself what do I think this job is asking of me or this new role is asking of me and then what are the qualities that I already have that will enable me to step into the role confidently and what and are there any other qualities that maybe I have not yet developed that I know I'm going to need so I can confidently step into this role and then seeking out support. So who can I turn to? Who is going to help me develop this skill set? Because one of the things with teaching, I think it's, a, it's one of those professions where we get our sense of self-esteem and our identity and our levels of confidence from doing well. When we do well in the classroom, when we do well with our pupils, our self-esteem grows. So it's very dependent upon our proficiency as educators and what we find difficult is when we step into a new role, actually all those things that we once felt confident about, they're no longer within our grasp, and our self-esteem takes a dip. So just recognize that it's going to happen. So I'm telling you now, Jane, but actually recognize that it's going to be normal. It's a normal part of the change and growth process when you're stepping into a new role. Thank you, Viv. That's really helpful. And now Mandy's asked a question, again, very close to your heart. Uh, where would you suggest finding a coach? And I suppose, well, Viv herself, <laughs> of course, is a coach. And also, Mandy, I'd say as well that um, you know, we can, if you contact us at Optimus, we can recommend some coach. You know, we have some people we're in touch with too. But would you have any other suggestions, Viv, for what kind of, if they're looking for somebody local or how, what would you suggest? I would just say do a search, to be honest. I would just say 
and also think about why you want to coach, what you're looking for from a coach. Because coaches will offer all, all sorts of different services. And I think in education, one thing we need to get real clarity about is what we mean by coaching. So I think for yourself, Mandy, if you're looking for a coach, get clarity around why do I want one and just write them down for yourself. <clears throat> you know, I want to coach for X, Y, and Z. Because that will help you on your search because then you'll know when you're speaking to different coaches, all right, so you will be able to help me with X, Y, and Z. Oh, perhaps not. You won't be able to help me with X, Y, and Z. The most important thing I would say, Mandy, is that you're in the driving seat and you have, and you have choice. It's not like a school improvement advisor is allocated to you and that's who you have. Coaching should never be like that. It should always be that you make the choice. So And, and so empower yourself to do so by identifying what you would want from a coach and start your search from that point.